Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey Jeff, how different do you treat rentals compared to your daily driver? What do you mean? I enjoy riding both. Um, today's show, we're talking about Turo, an online marketplace for car sharing. Yeah, and it feels like we've done a lot of marketplaces recently. I think there's just a lot of companies out there that are diving into this business. Has anyone done a marketplace for marketplaces, Mike? Oh, man. This is we'll a call the product marketplace. <laughs> well, we're signing off on this show to start marketplaces <laughs> by product marketplaces. But yeah, as Jeff said, Turo is a car sharing marketplace. Uh, so if you have a car and you want to make extra cash, you can rent it out if you're looking uh, to, you know, provide it, your car for someone that wants to look for a ride. Their cars range from the super high-end models. I was looking before the show uh, to see the most expensive car I could get. Took a little journey on their website to the 2014 Rolls-Royce Ghost uh, that you can get for uh, $900 normally that they were offering a deal. So you can get it for $854 per day. And then the super high-end, which was a... <laughs> I had to do some digging and clicking into their website to find this, um, but 27 Lamborghini Aventador you can rent for the small fee of $1,450, $1,450 per day. Um, yeah, so definitely get your um, GME ready or your Dogecoin or whatever you're financing this Lambo Adventures <laughs> to shell out $1,450. So for a more average car, you know, like my everyday driver, for example, a 2021 Mazda 3 hatchback is about 110 bucks a day in the New York City area. And it's, it's interesting because uh, I pay about $450 a month for, for my car payment. So $110 a day actually makes me want to look into this a little bit more. But in terms of the customer experience for, for Turo, so if you want to book a car, you search by location, you can filter by any car type <laughs> like I did. I've, I searched for Rolls Royce and Lamborghini, price, etc. And then you can also select when you're going to arrive. There's some interesting features that Turo has where you can have the car even you can have the car delivered to you or pick it up uh, directly from the host. Uh, and then in some select cities, Turo actually offers a really, really slick feature called Turo Go, uh, which lets you remotely unlock your car. So you don't even have to interact with the, the car owner. You just use the app and you access the car. And that's in some California cities like LA, SF, and San Diego, and then uh, London as well. So on the customer side, Turo actually handles everything. So uh, once you're approved to drive, uh, you don't actually even need to buy car insurance. It's all baked into, into their pricing model. So that leads me to, you know, how does Turo make money? What's, what's Turo's business model? They're not just giving away these cars for, for free. So there's the overall trip price. So the easiest way to think about that is just uh, you see the list price. So I mentioned, for example, the $110 Mazda 3 hatchback. If I'm going to take that out for a three-day weekend, uh, it's going to be $330. Turo is going to take a trip fee from that, and that's a percentage of the overall price. It's um, They don't publish uh, an exact fee. It's They mention that it's dynamic, though. So um, shorter trips might have higher fees, um, or a more luxurious car is going to have higher fees, um, and then longer trips are going to have uh, lower percentage fees. So it's definitely variable. And then some of the other you know service fees that are baked in are it's not they're not even actually service fees they're just um, they call it protection uh, which is insurance. There's also delivery fees if you chose to have the car delivered directly to you. And um, then there's some cool extras. So I feel like I'm cross selling like to the maximum here. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of their extras is uh, pay, prepaid ref refueling. So if you don't want to you know you know fuel up to exactly you know one eighth plus 
you know, a half tank of, of gas, you can just leave the car however you um, got it. So that that's Toro in a, in a nutshell. Definitely a mouthful. But yeah, I was really excited to dive into this today. I, um, I've actually used Toro and I used it kind of recently for a trip from San Francisco all the way down to San Diego. We essentially test drove a Tesla Model 3 through the Turo app. So I had a really awesome experience. I went to the place, I unlocked the the Tesla Model 3 through the Turo Go app. So the car just opens up for you. You do like a couple of checks around the car just to make sure things aren't scuffed. Just like when you rent a regular car, you kind of mark anything that you've seen. And then, yeah, you kind of handle everything through the Turo app. So for example, I, I read that there are instances where, let's say you forget your keys because with the Tesla Model 3, you have to have the Tesla app. Uh, and some people don't let the renters get the Tesla app access. Mine did, which was really awesome. But if you don't, you get a little key card. And if you lose that key card, then you can't really get into the car, except sometimes the Tesla owners can unlock your cars remotely. And I think Turo Go lets you do that as well. So they can just like unlock and relock your car in case you like left some key, your, your actual key card in there or left something in your car and needed to get it or things like that. That's so futuristic. Um, like I yeah. just got locked out of my house <laughs> for the first time ever <laughs> and it was infuriating. We had to call. And I had to break like, so many windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I broke all the windows. Like, I panicked. No, we, we, we called someone. It was like 90, 95 bucks to, to have someone, you know, enter our house. And it was super fast. Kind of scary. I want to hire this guy more often to do nefarious things. <laughs> <laughs> to get into the other people's houses and break <laughs> into other things. Yeah, I, I thought tour was really cool. Like, I, I guess like think of it as Airbnb. You mentioned like any other marketplace. People will list their cars out and they'll set their own pricing and you kind of have to look through and say, hey, like, you know, sometimes they offer discounts for longer rentals. Like I think because I was like a six day rental, they offered me a a pretty good discount. Sometimes they will deliver the car to you. Like you mentioned, I know airport delivery is a pretty common thing. So they'll charge you anywhere from you know free to like, I think like a hundred bucks to come and deliver and drop off the car for you. And then for me, I, I just picked it up at the guy's house and dropped it off at the guy's house. I picked it up at night, so I never even saw the dude, but we messaged back and forth and it was really, really easy to deal with. Yeah, I thought it was a super awesome experience. I will say, I know that a lot of Tesla owners specifically do this because they can, like I said, like they get a lot of access to the car remotely, like through their phone. They can check where it's been. They can limit the speed. They can watch where you go, which is kind of creepy, but it is their car. And I think it works out to if you rent it out, I want to say like five or six days a month, you, you can pay off the car and then you can drive the car the rest of the time. I do hear that there is kind of like a break even point specifically for Tesla's because the car value definitely tanks if that mm-hmm. car is driven around a ton. So something that's kind of baked into Turo is that the listers, the people that are renting out the cars can actually set some max range and they'll charge you every mile thereafter to basically account for the loss in value of the car over time. We were, again, really fortunate that our person had a really large maximum range. Otherwise, because of that long trip from San Francisco down to San Diego and back, you know, we would have probably had to pay these extra fees, but we we didn't have to do it, fortunately. Nice. I love it. Yeah, I'm super excited that it was a delightful experience <laughs> for, for you. Just a question about the Tesla. It's interesting that you frame it as this is your test drive for, for the Tesla. Uh, how did you like the refueling stations like, or like, I guess, recharging stations? Like, were you able to get hooked up in, in all of that? Did Turo help you? Like, what, what did that look like? Yeah, Turo doesn't help you specifically, but the Tesla does a really great job of telling you where the supercharging stations are. The, the Tesla navigation, it'll point you to all the locations. If you're going to run out of fuel, or fuel, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> power before you get your end, get to your end destination, it'll tell you where you can kind of take off and charge to get to your destination with X amount of 
battery and time. So because we're in California, there's a ton of charging stations throughout Tesla and other third-party charging stations. I think what was a little bit weird was we also um, traveled with a group that were driving traditional gas-powered cars. And oh, so our timing was sometimes a little off. Tesla does take a little bit longer to charge and obviously say refueling a car for like five minutes. So right. sometimes we'd have to like go and charge at the end of the night when people were just winding down so that we didn't have to like worry about getting to the same place at the same time. For example, on the drive back from San Diego up, we had to take like a 45 minute detour to go charge and do all this other stuff. And they just kind of kept going and were able to fill up fuel a little bit easier. But the range is about the same. So it's more so about the time. Yeah. And with services like Turo, it begs the question for, will we ever see a subscription car service? You know, like... I know like Volvo has dipped their toes into this and so has some of the higher ends like Audi where you can pay like, I think it's something outrageous, like like almost like $900 a month um, and you get access to like any car that you want to. So I, I feel like the way that, you know, Turo is set up in terms of pricing where it is like that $110 a day, like we're, we're kind of, you know, starting to explore that just naturally <laughs> with people like willing to, you know, for, like you mentioned, like just try out a car for, for a long trip. Yeah, I think it worked out really well for us because it ended up coming to about roughly about 100 bucks a day. And knowing that we were going to save money on not paying for gas and using electricity instead, that was like a little bit more enticing. And because we knew we were going to get this car for a longer trip. So it's going to be like a comfortable ride and things like that. Some other things I wanted to call out was one, when I was in grad school, we kind of explored in a product design class, this idea of like renting your own car. And I think it was for Mercedes that they were exploring something along the lines of you know, building out a new car sharing service. So it's funny that now like Toro has kind of taken this off and it's actually become a thing. The other thing I wanted to mention as well was the particular lister or the renter in this case, he was saying that, oh, if you want to leave your car anywhere, I'm happy to take a flight down, I think, or like come down and pick up the car. Yeah, well, obviously he charged a fee, but I think it was something along the lines of like, for like 500 bucks, um, I'll pick it up as far as like San Diego or something. Um, because you can get plane tickets for pretty cheap. So, you know, you probably pay like a 200 bucks for the plane ticket. You get 300 bucks to drive the car back. So, oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's like the antithesis uh, <laughs> of uh, a Tesla where it's like someone else will drive it all the way down for you. Then you'll burn, you know, X amount of kilograms of jet fuel to, to get back there. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, just to arbitrage uh, like the market a little bit. So yeah. Maybe they <laughs> asked to pay for the travel costs as well. But yeah, basically it was like, hey, you have to give me however many days of heads up and then I'll make the trip down and you just pay me. He's like, I picked up cars as far as like Vegas or whatever. I've also noticed that my particular renter, I guess, had a fleet of Teslas. Basically like you buying rental properties or like doing that with Airbnb. He had like two or three, uh, like model threes, two or three, I think model Ys. And I think he had a couple luxury cars that he was all renting out on Turo. Okay. And that's like kind of economies of scale, right? If you know that you're going to spend time on the platform, you might as well be managing multiple cars instead of like just that one model three that you have. And I've also noticed that he was not as picky about his car. Whereas other folks that were renting out their Teslas and it was their personal vehicle, kind of like what you oh asked God, at the beginning yeah. of, yeah, they were like very, very particular about people picking it up, dropping it off, making sure it's cleaned. <laughs> so there's kind of these hidden costs if you rent from somebody that's only got this one car because they're going to ask you to like take it to an actual detailer, for example, and like 
get it cleaned up. And then that also is like more time consuming and it's yeah. harder to like meet your timelines and demands. Usually when you're renting a car, you're kind of like on a tight schedule and deadline anyway. So it's hard yeah, to for like sure. do all you, these things. You just pull the e-brake, slide into a, do a donut to the lot and be like, yeah. I'm out, you know, and throw the keys at the Avis person. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I just thought it was super interesting that depending on who's renting the car to you, you're going to get different levels of service. No, I love it. Well, well Jeff, tell us how uh, Turo got started. So in 2010, it started as Relay Rides, not as Turo, and it was founded as a car sharing service. It expanded to San Francisco, which is where it's headquartered now. Later in 2012, it expanded nationwide. So now you can kind of get Turo cars in any city. In fact, I know recently with the rental car shortage that's happening due to COVID-19, I've actually looked at Turo and there's a lot more inventory in Turo because those cars aren't sold off. Like, you know, typically with Avis and budget every year, at the end of the year, they kind of take a look at their inventory, they do a cost analysis, and they sell off some of those cars because they're starting to get a lot of mileage on them. And then they pawn that out to somebody else. But because of COVID and nobody was traveling, they are now at a shortage of cars. Whereas Turo, that doesn't happen <laughs> because people still need cars <laughs> and they're still offering them on the platform. I bet you people like this guy that you rented the Tesla from are just buying the cars from Avis in bulk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just renting them on Turo. Well, actually, another reason why I rented on Turo is because it's really hard to find Teslas uh, rented through mm. national renters. For the same amount of time renting through Enterprise, it was going to be like $1,000 to rent a Tesla for like seven days versus like on Turo, I rented for like six or 700 bucks. So it was like a significant discount. Yeah. But obviously, they're not like, quote unquote, a major brand. Yeah, so in 2012, they initially offered an in-car device that was GPS enabled and allowed for remote unlocking and smart car entry. So that was like their way of allowing people to retrofit their cars to be Turo capable. They also partnered with GM and OnStar to build an integration to let folks unlock their GM cars through a GM mobile app, which is a cool idea. But they ended up punting all those ideas and getting off of the OnStar integration. And then in 2015, they changed their name to Turo. And also in 2015, Forbes named it the, quote, top 14 hottest tech startups. And they had a valuation of $311 million. I think that's, it's funny that that's they... That's so specific. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, 14 why 14? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they picked the top 14 hottest. Either they couldn't cut out four of them or they couldn't add one. No, um, it's, it's funny. My, my fiance is in, in marketing and she used to write a lot of content articles like this. And so mm -hmm. she said that a really good rule of thumb for titles is to make it an odd number that is below mm -hmm. 10. So Forbes is not conforming to, to my either. only knowledge of yeah. how to write a good title. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So in 2018, they again offered an in-car device for GPS tracking and uh, remote unlocking through the Turo app. So it's mm. funny that they tried to do it in 2012. They pulled back and they're like in 2018, like, yeah, this is the idea. <laughs> um, in 2016 and 17, they launched in the UK and Canada. So you, obviously we're now nationwide with Turo. You can get these cars in UK, you can get them in Canada. Mike mentioned earlier that in London, they're offering the Turo Go app. So we know that, that this is available in the UK. In 2019, they upgraded their terms of service to forbid hosts from sharing their car on other platforms. What? So I think this is very interesting. That's it's wild. Like, it's like Airbnb telling you you can't be on VRBO. It's like telling Uber drivers that they can't work on Lyft, which I know they do 99% of the time. <laughs> it's crazy that they specifically put it in their terms of service. And I wonder how they enforce it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. This that, That's why it blows my mind where it's almost like that like exclusivity contract or like what's like the terms like the uh like the non-compete clause non -compete, in like yeah. tech where it's mm -hmm. like yeah, yeah don't, don't work for competition so like i can't work in any tech company question mark yeah it nuts. kind of feels like the same here of like just something very like very big <laughs> that that covers a lot so i wonder if the terms of service could also get them in trouble if someone tried to do like uber you know i'm sure 
with their car. Oh, know. yeah. It feels hmm. super vague. Yeah, it's strange because it's like their car. So I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. Taro's had some really great success in terms of funding. So they've been funded by Canon Partners, August Capital, Google Ventures, Shasta Ventures, Trinity Ventures, all the Ventures companies. But also what's kind of been interesting is they've had shareholders that include some major NBA figures and artists. So 2 Chains is actually one of their funders. Victor Oladipo, Thaddeus Young, Langston Galloway, uh, D4, Tyrod Taylor, which I know you love. My man, Tyrod Taylor. No Malcolm way. Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah, so a ton of folks are investing uh. in Toro and they think it's a, a super great idea. No, I love it. Well, we can talk about who, who Turo is for. So any marketplace, Turo is really just for folks looking for extra cash if their car sits around for most of the time. And so an interesting factoid about this, and uh, I had to research this for my internship like 10 years ago, and this fact is still true today, that cars actually spend just about 95% of their lives parked. So as long as you're you know willing to deal with the risk of letting a stranger you know, as jo- as Jeff said earlier in the, the episode, joyride your car. Uh, this could definitely be worth it for you. Don't rent to me. It's what, <laughs> that's the moral of the story. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, Avis. Like, I'm still an Avis member, but I just abuse all of your cars. Don't buy a rental car. Like, if you're going to buy, like, a car from a, a rental company, that's a deal. Like, I, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend it. Anyways, Turo has a really great breakdown for the average earnings per month. And so they even list it on their website. They have this really fun tool called the Calculator. Uh, perfect name. Kudos name. to the, the branding team that, that Turo for, for that one. So according to Turo's numbers, a base model Wrangler is the best performing car um, on their site. So what they say is that it pays for itself in just over five days in a month. Huh. And the next best, next best uh, vehicles are the Ford Mustang and the Fiat 500 and also the, the Dodge Caravan for all of you minivan aficionados out there. But in terms of what that means is that if you take a car like the Fiat 500, they have a 2.2 times earnings per monthly payment. So if you have a $450 car payment, you're going to make roughly $1,000 on a Fiat 500 per per year, or sorry, per, per month. So yeah, really interesting. Um, it, it sounds like that if there are people that are bulk dealers, like this Tesla guy that you rented from, there's definitely a really good uh, incentive for the marketplace if you're able to, again, justify that risk. Because I think that where this could all go sideways is if someone gets into a car accident, like what happens there? And mm-hmm. I know that they, they have a, a major... A major partner, real sorry, a major partner insurance company. I think Liberty Mutual is their yeah, insurance provider, right. and yeah, Liberty handles all of that. So I think that's where the edge cases is comes into play. In addition to just like that general wear and tear of like knowing that you might have a maniac behind the wheel, and you maybe it could just be you know an average Joe that is you know on vacation, and they're like, you know what, I, I'm so careful with my car, but I'm just gonna you know do donuts in the parking lot you know ace ventura style like yeah i don't know it's so funny i'm like terrified of scuffing rental cars because i always think that they're out to get me and get every nickel and dime so i'm like i'm gonna be extra careful with this thing because i don't want somebody to charge me um (laughs) you know extra money when they find out that this was so and so what was nice about the tesla was that you can turn on sentry mode and have sentry mode running Uh so if anything happens any dings dunks whatever you can be like hey it wasn't my fault some random dude did it you can kind of, you know, yeah, we, and we have it. the footage to prove it. Yeah, oh, exactly. I love that. I actually had to go run and buy a storage device so that I could store uh, the video data. Otherwise, like with Tesla's, you only get to see like certain instances. I had to go and buy a flash drive just so I can like have that data with me <laughs> everywhere I went. Uh, I love that. 
But yeah, so like looking at the other side of the marketplace, Turo provides cars to folks that are in need. So uh, let's say you're a city dweller and you want to make a mountain trek. You know, the Olympic National uh, Park, the Olympic Peninsula has really been calling to you. If you're a Seattleite, uh, you can find the the perfect car for you, which according to Turo is <laughs> a base model Jeep Wrangler. You know, Jeff and I like alluded to this a little bit today. And, and just looking at the size of what this market is, I mean, at the end of the day, Turo is a car rental service where you travel somewhere or you need a car for a little bit, you need to rent it. That's what it is. So in in 2019, the global car rental market was pretty large. It was $86 billion. So definitely a significant amount of cash that is just being inter- exchanged for the services to, to rent a car. Um, it's growing pretty fast too. It's going to r- almost double in about six years um, to roughly $144 billion by, by 2027. So yeah, so I, I think that Turo is another place where it's just uh, another marketplace rather that's really just looking for that really that sweet spot in unused material be it unused time unused houses in Turo's case it's unused cars and connecting them with folks that that really want to use them yeah i think it's a super cool idea i want to also ask like i guess i get why a base model wrangler would do well and i also get why a mustang would do well but why a fiat 500 you've never wanted to just rip uh in a manual fiat 500 no. you know down the road i, I hate fiats like, I don't, <laughs> I, like they're the way i i had i used to have a nightmare I, I think i told you this before i had a nightmare that i sold one of my cars and bought a fiat because an actual nightmare <laughs> um yeah oh jeez. <laughs> that's that's, that's really that's really bad marketing for fiat if they ever get a hold of this of this tape if you guys sponsor the show then i'll I'll pull back my words here but yeah um, we'll scrub all mentions of all negative mentions of fiat 500 yeah this um, one time that we mentioned it in our, one of our shows and that's going to be recurring you know it's like yeah. this is the fiat 500 of products you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oof, that's gonna be bad yeah i think it's pretty neat i wonder what people do with this data do they go out and buy a bunch of jeep wranglers and like rent them out like could we start a little fleet of jeep wranglers seeing that it's like pretty decent money I wonder if it's because maybe they hold their value over a longer period of time or is it that people tend to rent them more like there's a stronger demand because they are these off-road vehicles and maybe people don't care about the wear and tear of them. I don't know. Like I know that there's certain cars that hold value very well. Like I know mm-hmm. Subarus, for example, like they tend to hold their value extremely well. I wonder if that's the case for Wranglers because there's such a big community of folks that are always trying to buy them and mod them and do things like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, if, if I have to tease out, like, why without doing a ton of research and just give it the college try live, <laughs> I think this has to do with these are cars that um, not everyone has, but they're ones that you always want to drive. You know, yeah. it's like, I, like I, I, I once rent, like, when I traveled to Hawaii for the first time, I had to have a Jeep Wrangler. Like, it just felt like the right, like, you know, mm-hmm. take all the, you know, the top, the hard tops off and just, you know, make it into a convertible. And then if I needed to go to a beach, like I could go a little bit of off-roading. So it just felt like the perfect vehicle. And like, same, same deal. Like I think two years ago when I uh, did a trip to, to Utah to see some national parks, I ended up with a Ford Mustang and it was just by chance, but I would hundred percent pay the premium to have that again. Cause it was just super cool. Like I'm like the super analytical when I, I'm the super analytical when it comes to buying my car. Like I have a spreadsheet and like the, the Mazda three checked all of my boxes of fuel efficiency and I can fit an eight foot piece of lumber in it. So when I'm doing all my woodworking projects, I, I can do it. So I don't know. 
renting a Ford Mustang or a Jeep Wrangler is kind of like letting my hair down. Um, I can't explain the Fiat 500. I, 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 I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm with you. I think that. what we have here is that Mike Alcazarin would pay the premium to rent a Fiat 500 is exactly what he's saying. I wonder <laughs> exactly if this is it. in line with other car rentals, like not just on Turo, but like do Wranglers perform well with Avis and Budget and other companies? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, we'll, um, have to, we'll have to <laughs> figure out a way how to answer that. One small note is that I one time rented a Jeep to go down Pacific Coast Highway 1, but I didn't get a Jeep Wrangler. That would have been awesome. I got a Jeep Rebel. And if you've ever been a Jeep Rebel, it's like the, <laughs> it's like Babby's first car version of a Jeep. <laughs> it's like really boxy looking. It's not cool at all, but it's just kind of the car that we got. And yeah, it was, it was weird. It's a really funky looking car. Let's talk about some competitors. So of course, we have to mention traditional car rentals. So the Avises, the Enterprises, the Budgets, um, et cetera, like those are going to be around. The difference here is that the cars are actually owned by those companies. So those are Avis's assets, Budgets' assets, Enterprises' assets, where in this case, we're renting unused car space, essentially. Mm-hmm. Cars that are sitting in your driveway, as Mike was mentioning. I think in the US, the number of cars per household, or maybe it's even the number of cars per capita is like, it's above one. So the point being is that there's more cars than there are people which doesn't make any sense, but there's a lot of cars sitting around doing nothing, like Mike's mentioning. Another competitor is any rideshare service. So obviously Uber and Lyft, anytime you need to just get from point A to point B, you don't own the, the car. You're not even driving the car. You're just basically owning the time in the car by paying for a rideshare service. There's Zipcar, which is kind of similar to a traditional car rental. You don't own the car. Zipcar owns the car. You can just kind of pick it up and borrow it, but it's I think it's zero personnel, right? You can just go and scan to get in. I haven't used a zip car in quite some time but i remember that's i think that's how it works right yeah that was my experience again this was like i think eight years ago or so (laughs) where yeah you just like i think you scanned a just a regular barcode and it did some sort of processing on the on the back end it wasn't i don't know if it necessarily unlocked the door but i I can't i can't remember i think like what turo is now is what i thought zipcar was going to be Back back in the day, mm-hmm. I was like very bullish on Zipcar. I thought Zipcar was going to be the future, and I was going to get rid of my car, and like Zipcar would be it. That's all I would ever yeah, do. Yeah, there's also like Car to Go, which isn't around anymore. But Car to Go was renting smart cars um, that would park around the city, and you can just go up to one of these smart cars and check them out. Just kind of like how you rent like scooters or bicycles in a lot of these major cities now. But again, those cars were owned uh, by Car to Go themselves. But you know, they did have this kind of remote unlocking technology at the time and this is as early as like i don't know like 2014 2015 so it was pretty cool yeah let's talk about our thoughts about turo i'm happy to start i had a great experience on it i think it's very similar to airbnb your mileage does kind of vary depending on which quote-unquote host you might get so depending on if you get someone that's pretty laissez-faire about their cars you might have a really awesome experience versus someone who's more strict because it's a personal car you might be a little bit on edge as you're driving the car throughout they do charge you for all the little things including everything from if you filled the gas up when you returned it to obviously if you scuff the car, if you want to tack on insurance, if you want to pay for extra miles, and obviously if you're paying for X amount of dates, like all those things kind of get factored into your price. The experience I thought was really great. I never had to deal with an actual person, which is exactly why I like to deal with a Airbnb <laughs> and with Turo. And I was able to try a car that I would have never um, been able to test drive for seven days on a 1800 mile trip. So that was really cool. Overall, I think it's a super cool idea. I'm definitely going to be using Turo again, especially for cars that I feel like are a little bit more exotic that I can't get via Enterprise or Avis or whatever. 
it does have its place. I think it's a really cool technology to be able to open your car remotely and to figure all that stuff out. And it seems like even on the other side, there's people that are turning this into a nice little side gig by, you know, purchasing fleets of cars to rent out to people. So I'm going to give this a 4.1. Nice. I love it. Well, full disclosure, I have not used Turo <laughs> yet, but I am expecting next time I visit Jeff uh, that he's going to pick me up in a, in a Lamborghini because that's, <laughs> this is what I've heard is that he's going to use Turo again. You, you heard it here first. But um, in terms of my evaluation of Turo is just in terms of uh, the, the sellers, like my uh, mentality. So when I went to Turo's website to, to look at what it would take to, to list my car, uh, I was really impressed. Like all of my questions were answered. I think it's one of those, one of the few marketplaces that does a really good job of just clearly articulating, clearly articulating, you know, what you're getting into and just outlining like your potential like revenue streams. So I thought that they were extremely well positioned to bring cars onto the platform and onboard sellers um, to say, hey, like if your car is, you know, sitting around for most of the time, you know, you should look at really doing this. So I think that they're, doing a really good job of helping it, helping just make it easy and frictionless for customers to start selling and and listing their cars. So I definitely like that customer experience. The pricing is interesting too. You know, I I know I've, uh, I've had just due due to COVID times, I've had to delay my my bachelor party. And I actually looked into getting um, a super high-end sports car. That was like one of the things that I wanted to do. I'm like, you know what, screw it. I've never driven a Lambo or Ferrari before. Let me see if I can do it. And you know the prices that I listed earlier in the episode of like eight hundred dollars to you know fourteen fifty are actually like pretty much on par with like um, if not lower and competitive with other um, services that are like just one hundred percent specific to um, to renting these supercars out. So I think that you know as I'm looking for my next car rental for like more of a more of a niche car like you know be it a Tesla or I would love to test drive for a longer period of time like the one of the new uh, SUV, electric SUVs that are coming out, be it the Toyota mm-hmm. or the the Rivian vehicle, the R1T, or you know Ford's latest F150 Lightning. So I think once those cars start coming on the platform, I'm going to be very much keen, very very much interested in using Turo just to really explore cars that you might not find at your traditional like Avis or Hertz rent a car platforms. Uh, where it's just more of like, hey, you're going to get a car and that's all you're going to get. Yeah. And car is going to be Toyota. <laughs> like that's that's what you have. So that's what I, I really like about Toro, where it's a ton of variety and it's going to give you an ability to look at new cars. And if I'm you know putting on just my my product strategy hat, I would strongly, if I was in Toro shoes, I'd strongly consider you know finding a partnership with um, different car manufacturers that do have these cars that people want to drive. Like I think like the Ford Bronco could be a really interesting mm-hmm. Um, vehicle to just like get on to Turo and have like some sort of Ford partnership with Turo. Because imagine that uh, like just like the Jeep Wrangler is, you know, the most successful car on the for sellers on the platform. Maybe the, the Bronco could be that for, for Turo. But anyways, I'm spitballing here. I'm getting away from my review. But if I had to, you know, rate this, I think that Turo is going to be up high for me. It's like 4.2. And, and I say that high of a rating because of the ability to have those niche cars um, that you can rent. So yeah, this was really cool. Uh, those are our thoughts on Turo and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So uh, always fun to see our <laughs> answers to our questions on our Instagram stories and inter- in- interact and engage with our audience. So please continue to, to do so. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X podcast. 
Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.